Are you ready? Mostly making sure I can read my rewrite. Would you mind doing some talking for a moment? Uh, yes, I would mind. Can't talk. Talking on a podcast? Weird. It's your idea. I thought this was a visual medium. It's your idea. (laughs) To do the podcast in general or just this episode? To record today. Uh Uh-huh. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Olympus, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter 18 of The Lightning Thief. This chapter is called Annabeth Does Obedience School. Mm-hmm. I am just a soul. <laughs> some, some poor dead soul, also known as Kristen. And this is my co-host. Uh, I am one of the heads of Cerberus. One of. I'm not sure which one, but probably the left one. Yeah. Also known as Chris. So you don't have one on either side of you. You do have one side of, like, personal space. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Hi. How are you? I am well. Cool. It's goody. <laughs> I am well. Good. How's that bird that's joining us today? It's a special guest appearance. Yeah, special guest. Little little tweeting bird outside the window. Yep. Is that a uh, yellow-rumped warbler? It's a blue-footed booby. Cool. Uh, how's it going? Been a while since I recorded. It has. Mm-hmm. I've got a fun new hairstyle. You know, <laughs> the listeners can appreciate that for yeah, sure. Yeah, they, they definitely will appreciate that so much. Yep. How's life for you? It's good. I'm wearing a hat, you know. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, how do we start this podcast, Kristen? Oh, generally speaking, we start with some banter. Okay. We've apparently forgotten how to banter. Yeah. Even though, you know, we live together. Yeah. We just... Performative banter is difficult. It's really hard. Y'all don't know how much... Uh... <laughs> how much work this is. You don't seem like you're ready for this podcast. I today. am not. <laughs> All right, but we're doing it. Cool. After the banter, what do we do? We do our uh, summaries. Cool. We have a little bullet point summaries that we make as we are reading through the chapter. Yeah. So um, each of us does our own. Do you want to do yours first, or should I read mine first? Uh, I'll go ahead and do my summary. Yeah. All right. Of this incredibly long uh, chapter in which nothing happens. Yeah, it. it we'll, we'll get into that. It, it does feel kind of light on the plot, especially like this late in the book. Yeah. That uh, There's a lot of descriptive elements to it. Um, so here are my bullet points. He turns to his friends. Hell has a nice waiting room. Chiron versus Karen. Karen is kind of a jerk. Percy exploits the flaws of capitalism. No fashion is allowed in Hades. The water is polluted. Hell would have lines. (laughs) Cerberus is unimpressed with Percy. Annabeth casually destroys a dozen souls. And dog trauma? So, those are mine. Yeah. How about you? You just made me sad. There's a a sad moment in the chapter. Um, Mine is only like six lines long. Okay, cool. Here's my summary. DOA Studios is full of spirits. Karen is easy to bribe. Willy Wonka elevator to hell. The elevator 
as the barge crosses the polluted river Styx. Annabeth plays with Cerberus and makes friends. The three set off alarms and hide. Cool. Yep. I did forget about the alarms bit. Yep. All right. So this chapter, as we said, is uh, a pretty lengthy one. There's a lot of descriptions about, like, what Hades is like. Mm -hmm. uh, The place, not the person. Yeah. So we start out going to DOA Recording Studios. Um, They show up. There's a sign on the door that's like, no solicitors, no loitering, no living, which I thought was funny. (laughs) Um, And this is the waiting room for Hades, where apparently every soul on Earth goes to before they can get in. And they have to wait around if they do not have the money or bribe, or I guess, I guess not necessarily just money, but usually money to bribe Karen to take them to the afterlife. Is that how it works? Like, do you have to, I know you have to quote unquote pay the ferryman. Do you, do you have to bribe him? Um, Is that like? Uh, I mean, they bribe him. Uh, yeah, I think well, he they bribe him because they're not dead. Yeah, he takes payment though. And if people, uh, you know. Usually, he says, usually when it comes to adults, he can just charge, like, the uh, their Amex cards, which I don't know who pays for that eventually, or uh, adds it on to their last cable bill. Yep. Um, I'm still not sure who's paying for these things, because, like, they're dead. So, yeah. They're a state. At the, uh, yeah. Maybe. He's, they... he's making money somehow at the end yeah. of the day. Somehow. Um, yeah, that's a thing uh, that you do have to pay the ferryman. But given the descriptions of, uh, of Hades that happen here, like, I'm not sure I'd want to. Yeah, I mean, why would you want to? But also, like, there's got to be something better than just standing in a waiting room at a studio. Like, uh, I, I mean, what would th- like? There's an option for that. We get descriptions of the three different um, uh, tracks you can go to in Hades in this chapter, uh, which we'll get into a bit more. But basically, like, you have the option of like, if you have a hero's death, you get the good one. Um, you get the good afterlife. Um, if you're kind of a jerk. You, you get more of a traditional hell experience, but most people are kind of neither and just end up in the fields of Asphodel uh, and stand around doing nothing for all of eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, so given the choice between standing around in an endless field uh, and hanging out in a comfy waiting room with some music playing, if I had to pick one of those to stay in forever, I might go with the waiting room. Yeah. I don't know. So, unless, I... you're, unless you're real sure that you are lived a good life and you're going to get to go to Elysium, yeah. Yeah. One more thing. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so they go into uh, the recording studio. There's descriptions of the waiting room. Everybody's dead. Um, standing around. Uh, there's some very, um, I don't know, it's very, it gets very existential a bit in this chapter because we talk a bit about, like, uh, various people they see. Like, they see a mother and her, like, young girl going to hell they see uh some kid who's percy's age who's dead yeah like it's a very like existentially focused kind of thing um but right in the beginning i put down a bullet point which was uh he turns to his friends yeah um which there's a line it says i turn to my friends which i think is the first time he calls them friends in the narration of the book yeah so I thought that was significant. Yeah, the friends line. But yeah. I mean still the 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 oracle statement was someone who calls you friend. Yeah. But also um well, I mean he's called Grover his friend before. He opens up saying it's his best friend, but like this is the first time I think he includes Annabeth in that yeah. being like she's my friend. Yeah. So it does I, I it does feel like that's the first time. Yeah. But also like it's it's more than just the friends line. Uh-huh. He 
turns to them and they like while they're talking about their plan and how they're going to get in. Yeah. And he pulls out the pearls. Yes. And he holds them. Yeah. And almost immediately Annabeth and Grover switch from being negative to being positive. Yeah. And I was really curious if that was a use of one of the pearls, intentional or accidental. Uh-huh. Or if there was something more to it there, because like it is it is a very dramatic tone shift of the energy we're getting from Annabeth and Grover both yeah. um when he holds the pearls. Yeah. I mean the water lady did say you had to break one in order to use it, so Okay. I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't use one here. But, uh, I mean, they're trying to put on a brave face. They're about to go into the underworld and confront uh, who knows what. So, I mean, at this point, they're they're pretty scared. Uh, they go up and we meet Karen, yep. who is not Chiron. Well, <laughs> yeah. Percy reads his name wrong. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything there. It's just Percy being dys- dyslexic again. Um, and- I, think, I think it's intended to avoid the confusion that readers might have, like, yeah. the, by pointing it out. Yeah, uh, and he's a real jerk about it, being like, let me spell it out for you and read my name tag. It's right here. Cool. Um, but uh, Karen's a well-put-together, uh, well-dressed gentleman in yeah. a uh, fine Italian suit. It's a fine white Italian suit, even. At least uh, at least in his mortal form. Yeah. Um, so, and they go and have a conversation, and he's just like, yep, don't care if you need to get to the underworld if you can't pay me. Oh, well, well, yeah. And <laughs> they all... He also just assumes that they're dead yeah. immediately. And they came in. He's like, hey, look, you're dead. How would you die? And yeah. Grover says, drowned in a bathtub. All three of you. It's a large bathtub. Yep. So, uh, yeah, uh, again, I should have put down Grover's bad at lying because, like, I think any time in the book he's ever tried to lie about anything, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, as is Percy. Like, everybody's just really bad at lying. Um but they try to convince him that uh, they're dead for a second, and he sees through it, and is just like, yeah, you're you're a, a godling, I think he says. He uses the word godling. Um, and then they go through this back and forth where they have to bribe him. They break out a bunch of coins that they stole from, uh, well, I guess, looted from uh, <laughs> uh, Procrustus, uh, which I don't remember happening, I guess... When they went into the back and they found the flyer for with the oh, directions right. yeah, to yeah, yeah. DOA, they yeah. they took his drachmas as well. Yeah, so they took Krusty's drachmas, uh, which is apparently a pretty significant amount because uh, Karen's just like, yeah, I'll look the other way. Sure, we'll go down there. Well, I need a new suit. He offers. They offer some gold. Yeah. First, and Karen's just like, all right, I'll take this to. To let you guys just leave this building, like you're, you're, I'm not taking you down there. Yeah. And Percy has a line that he says, which is, uh, "No service, no tip," and picks up the coins, which made me, which made me uh, smile a little bit because it was like this moment where uh, Percy, like, and it even says, like, I was trying to be a lot more confident than I felt. <laughs> Yeah. But, like, he does a good job of displaying this kind of, like, brash confidence, which, I mean, we've seen him demonstrate that kind of thing before, like, when he was, uh, insolent, uh, what was the... You keep coming back to it. Impertinent. Okay. When he, (laughs) when he, when he was impertinent and mailed the Medusa head to the gods, like, we've seen this kind of 
posturing ability from him before. Yeah. Um, and this impertinence, but like it's it's fun to see that growing a little more in him. Yeah. Um so he does that, uh he exploits capitalism and be and basically says that uh, you know, Hades hasn't given you a pay raise in uh, what, three thousand years? Uh, <laughs> you know, you're uh you're worth a lot more than that. You need more suits, so yeah. Why don't you why don't you take us down? Uh and we'll so pay you some good money and we'll also when we talk to Hades uh mention that you uh you need a race. Yeah. I'm sure that'll work out. Yeah. Well I'd be really happy if that happens. Uh <laughs> anyway, so they get on the elevator. Mm-hmm. The the boat evader, I guess, because it starts off as an elevator and then somehow at some point turns into a boat and they're suddenly on the river sticks. Every time Percy blinks, something changes about it. Yeah. Uh, Everybody has green tickets. You think that's significant? Uh, the color green is mentioned about four times in this chapter. Okay. I know for yeah. sure it's mentioned here with the tickets. It's mentioned once when they first see the shore on the other side of sticks. Yeah. That the air looks like it's got green mist over it. Uh-huh. So. Okay. Just pointing out that green is a very distinctive color here. You have been keeping track of the colors. I've been trying to. We don't know what Hades' color is. Probably green. Possible. Uh, I don't know, because Poseidon's is green. So I feel like they both can't be green. However, there are a bunch of gods, and there's a limited number of uh, different colors. Yeah. They can fight over shades. Yeah, it would be really weird if Hades and Poseidon had the same color. Yeah. Maybe they should but have yeah, like a color there's... combo that would increase the... Uh... I don't know. There's just a bunch of green in this chapter, which I thought was significant, especially since we've established it is Poseidon's color before. Yeah. That, like, yeah. Fascinating. I mean, Poseidon wouldn't let the river get to this state, obviously. It's like, the river Styx is very polluted, as we learn. Yes, but it Styx is its own entity. Like, it's outside the, the control of, of Poseidon, I think. Yeah. I imagine that if Percy fell into the river Styx, he would not be able to breathe. But we don't know that. We don't have that information yet. Yeah. Uh, in doing some background research for this chapter, which none of it was, uh, I felt like, compelling enough to, to bring up. Um, but everybody knows about the river Styx, who's remotely familiar with Greek mythology. What I didn't know was that uh, in the Greek mythos, there are five rivers in Hades. Really? And they all have, they all have very different properties. There's huh. sticks, one's a river of fire, and there's there's three other ones that all have names and they do something. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Five uh, rivers of Hades. Yeah. Hmm. Uh yeah, Greek mythos mythos gets uh, very detailed on the descriptions of the afterlife. Uh we kind of get into that a little bit here in, in the next chapter, because I'm out of red like a page or two in the next chapter. But, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. I have not spoiled anything for myself. <laughs> um, but it's polluted. Um, people have been throwing crap in it for a long time, according to, uh, according to Karen. Yeah, but the, what they throw into it is weird. Well, I'm like, going to... Gonna... He lists four or five items that people throw into it, and it's like their hopes and dreams. Yeah. Um, I mean, since we're talking about it, I'll go ahead and read the sentence, which I didn't want to do because it was my favorite sentence of the chapter. Uh, but, Spoilers! Yeah. We can, we can just... Uh, you know, when we get to that segment, I can be like, yeah, I already read mine. Uh, so this is my favorite sentence of the chapter. Uh, For thousands of years, you humans have been throwing in everything as you come across. Hopes, dreams, wishes that never came true. Yeah. Why are people throwing those off the barge? Like, is that, like, 
that's the thing that you would want to take with you into Hades, right? Like, well, I mean, it's kind of symbolic because, like, we have this whole transformative uh, imagery where, like, people that get on the elevator are wearing, like, their normal clothes. And then as the elevator goes down, it just, like, they flicker and they're wearing gray robes. And, like, there's this sense of a loss of identity mm. uh, as they're going into uh, the underworld. Um, we also have Karen's outfit change to be very uh, Grim Reaper-esque. Yeah. Where he's in a long black cloak and his uh, face is obscured and his skin starts to become translucent. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of part of the Hades mythos in that it's one of the rivers that I can't remember what the name is. But when souls are going to the fields of Asphodel, which most of them do, they uh, cross through or wade through a river which washes away their identities. Hmm. So most of the souls in Hades are just kind of generic souls that don't remember who they are. Interesting. So that's a thing. Um, but yeah, I, I saw this line as kind of symbolic of, you know, and, and when it talks about items that are in it, like diplomas and like uh, plastic dolls and whatnot, uh, just like giving up on projects, like being like, all right, it's acceptance. I'm dead. I'm never going to finish this. I'm never going to accomplish this thing. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of read it in that way. Anyway, yeah. Um. So they cross the river Styx. They see Hades out in the distance. The place. Um, yes. <laughs> it's very confusing when the place and the guy have the same name. Yep. Uh, which is why I call it hell all the time because I think it's easier to distinguish. Um. So the underworld. We can call it the underworld. I guess. Yep. That's the the whole thing. But they see it off in the distance, uh, craggy rocks, black volcanic sand, etc., etc. And Karen says a couple of times that Cerberus is hungry. Yes, all all three face. All three face. So he's hungry. Uh, He basically, you know, he's not threatening them. He's just like, yeah, it was your it's your funeral, literally. Yeah. (laughs) So Uh, if they die there, do their souls then go back up? To the, uh... Do they have to do the whole waiting room thing again? Yeah. Do they go back up to the waiting room? Or is, are they just conveniently there and, like... I don't know. That's a great question. If you die on in the underworld, what happens? Who knows? Never thought about it that way. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, greenish light. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing. Uh, and then we find out that, uh... The entrance to Hades is basically airport security. Yes. <laughs> yep. And there are, uh, there are three different lines that you can go through. Um, so for the three different lines, you can choose... Two of the lines give you the option to be judged. Yes. And one gives you the option to just accept the fields. Yep. And go there and not have any hope of Elysium or fear of... Yeah. Something worse. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I spent some time here being like, which line would I pick? Would I go for easy death? Um, but yeah, there are three lines. Uh, as you said, uh, a couple of them, you go and get judged by um, some dead famous person, apparently. Yeah, like they King <laughs> Minos or Thomas Jefferson, maybe Shakespeare. They change it out. You know, uh, class, I, classically known judge of character, Shakespeare. Yes. I, I love that, like... <laughs> Annabeth knows 
who's in rotation too like yeah she's like she doesn't say like oh you're often judged by anybody who's actually like recorded in greek mythology as a thing yeah she's like you know like thomas jefferson or shakespeare you know they change it up yeah like she she how does she know that like is that taught at camp like who who the current or new rotation of judges in hades is who knows I, I just like that canonically, uh, in in the Percy Jackson canon, it's very possible that uh, Shakespeare and Houdini had a conversation. Yeah. There you go. One second, though. Let's come back. Okay. There's a couple of things that I forgot to mention from Karen up in the uh, waiting room. Yeah. Uh, before we before we actually land yeah. at the at the gate, let's. Uh-huh. Uh, Karen tells all of the souls not to get into trouble while he's gone. Yeah, and tells them not to change his music. Yep, like don't mess with the music. Yeah, and when they first walked in, the music that was playing was described as Muzak. Yeah, and um, which I don't know if anybody younger than us knows what Muzak <laughs> is, but like. I thought it was really weird that the, the the author chose even even at the time Muzak was on its way out as a as a means of playing music in a, in a store. Yeah, and it was it was it was well out. Yeah, <laughs> by the time this was written, and so it kind of puts you in mind of this very like I don't know weird like nineteen fifties kind of music playing in the back of a of a appliance store to me kind of thing yeah and then uh karen's like very defensive of it like don't mess with my music (laughs) yeah i mean i I thought it was very much as like elevator music which they don't describe hearing on the elevator yeah but you know yes i I think that that was like the last holdout of muzak was uh was elevators yeah or perhaps the uh you know what used to happen when you got put on hold oh yeah hold music for stuff and things maybe which i feel like nobody's using anymore and it's just kind of silent it's not silent like they're it's pre-recorded stuff they've transitioned to customized pre-recorded things yeah a lot more uh you said you had two things about karen though one was the music oh it was just two the the two points about the music that like this is the music that was described as playing when they got there yeah and that vibe and then karen being defensive of it those were my two things or he was just like don't touch my music and also, like, what happens to new souls who come in while he's not there or stuff like that? Like, that, just some questions. But, yeah, I do love the fact that there's no elevator music, that you pointed that out specifically. Yeah. Uh, it would have been a really interesting thing to have some some music playing in that elevator. Yeah. All right. So, we go across the river. We find the three lines at Erebus. Yes. What's Erebus? Um, it's a great question that I didn't look into. Fascinating. Well, I did. <laughs> Erebus is a primordial being. Yeah. He's the son of chaos. Okay. And he is the god of a dark region of the underworld, and he's the personification of darkness. Yeah. He's another Hades. Cool. He's, he's a less human hades if that makes sense the the darker cooler hades i don't know but yeah he's the dark he's the dark corner of of the underworld that's the uh that's the underworld god that all the cool kids are into (laughs) 
I don't know. I don't know what they're what, what, like because they specifically mention that this is on the gate or uh-huh. on the on the on the as they're coming up to the lines. Uh huh. That it's labeled as Erebus. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was interesting that because I I feel like it should be like you go to Elysium or Erebus, but that's not how it's like put. I yeah. guess. Like what? What is? Do you know more about? I don't. What your other options are besides Elysium and the fields of whatever they were? Uh, I don't think they name it. It's just uh, it just says people who get judged uh, to be bad people go to uh, get tortured somewhere. Yeah. By ghouls and the Furies and et cetera, et cetera. Sorry, kindly ones. Yeah. Don't want to invoke them. Yeah, I don't think it actually names it at any point. Uh, however, we have not found Riordan to be a. Uh, wrong about any of the mythology stuff so i'm assuming he's a uh, spot on when some legend or, or other there were three separate entrances under one huge black archway that said you are now entering erebus yeah there we go so yeah cool. all right anyway so the uh asphodel fields going through the fast line avoiding judgment etc yeah uh so they're kind of debating as to what line to go through and, uh, you know, once they get through the line uh, dealing with Cerberus, but we don't see him yet. Uh, they do see a televangelist getting dragged off to be tortured for eternity. Yes. So that's, um, yep, they do. It's a little commentary going on, going on there. Um, and then they... Uh, His Lamborghini for the Lord that yeah. went off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's a little, uh, a fun little exchange where... Percy's just like, but he's a preacher. He doesn't even believe in this hell. Like, yeah. what's that all about? Uh, and Grover's just like, people see what they want to see. Yeah. He probably looks entirely you, different to him. You hum- humans are so stubborn. And, yeah. And you see what you want to see. Yeah. Now, See what you want to see. Sorry. <laughs> now, given they're not dead, are they seeing all this for how it really is? We're, we're assuming that they're seeing it accurately. I mean, we can hope. Yeah. I mean, also, Grover's not human, so if nothing else. He's seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so they get closer to the gates, and uh, they encounter Cerberus. Yep. Crazy. Uh, who is not a big black mastiff, but he was uh, more like a purebred rock, purebred rock. He was a purebred Rottweiler, which is a really hard thing to uh, except, he, of course, he was twice the size of a woolly mammoth, mostly invisible, and had three heads. But other than that, yeah, spot exactly on Rottweiler. like a Rottweiler. <laughs> yeah. A purebred Rottweiler, even. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so they go up and try to figure out how to get past him because he looks hungry, he's giant. Yeah. And, uh, and, he's... and Grover can understand what he's saying, too. Uh, yeah. Humans don't have a four-letter word that translates, apparently. <laughs> so All right. He's... Uh, He's got a potty mouth. So they go up, and Percy has a brilliant idea to um, distract him. Um, yeah, and this he, is whole... he brought a stick with him. Yep. This was Percy's entire plan, apparently, was to throw a stick and hope that the giant hellhound would go and try to fetch it. Yep. That was all he came up with. Yep. Cool. Um, <laughs> doesn't work. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, yeah. I think I, I, Grover doesn't translate it, but I, I picture Cerberus just being like, "Really, yeah, really." Um, however, Annabeth has a backup plan. Yep. Uh, where she brought a little red bouncy ball. Yep, 
from yep. the water park. Yep. They've had days to plan from this. From what, Brad? They knew this was coming. They've had days to plan it, and, you know, they brought two dog toys. Yep. That's that's the entire plan. Uh, but it ends up working. Yeah. Well, and, and we haven't clearly listed this, but that line that's going to the fields, uh-huh. the easy death one. Yeah. That line is going through Cerberus's legs right underneath him. Yeah. So one of your one of your points here as as Annabeth starts playing with Cerberus. Yep. She starts giving them instructions. I'm not gonna give you the ball unless you sit. Yeah, takes out the ball, um, and yeah, goes through the whole obedience school thing. Hey, look, it says that in the chapter title. Yep. Um, tells him to sit. Uh he does. Crushes a dozen odd souls. Yeah. And which made me question, like, what happens if a soul gets destroyed? Like, does it just reform somewhere else? Like, is that extra dead? Are they? Does it, does it show up back in the waiting room and is have that... to pay again to get across? But what about second death? Yeah. <laughs> We've had one, yes. <laughs> Who knows what happens there, but she just uh, casually disperses uh, a dozen odd people. Uh, and is able to get him to be obedient. To She throws him the ball. He's really, really into this ball that's small enough to get stuck between his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna need a bigger ball. Uh, and they are able to, uh, while he's distracted, go between his legs and uh, get in. Yeah, well, Percy and Grover are... Annabeth picks up the ball again, and she knows that if she throws it to him again, it's gonna get destroyed. Yeah. And so when she walks by, she has a very emotional moment of being like, I'll bring you another ball. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. Uh, she, yeah, she gets really misty-eyed. Uh, we don't actually learn in this chapter what she's upset about, but it does mention her being very sad about the dog twice. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of assuming that since she had to leave home at seven, she probably had a dog that, uh, I mean, it, was, it says she had a dog. Um, assuming that uh, she never got to see it again. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and she obviously did the obedience school stuff with the dog. So. Yeah. She knew how to. She's sad that she never came back for her Doberman. Maybe. Uh. So anyway, uh, they get through that, uh, pass under his legs, uh, and as soon as they get in through the gate, uh, alarms start blaring. Yep, and they go through the gate towards the fields, right? Yes. They're heading toward the fields, uh, alarms go off, uh, they're running, they hide in a big, uh, rotten tree trunk. Yep. As security guards, uh, sorry, security ghouls. Yes. Are going past, uh looking for them they're yelling for backup from the furies which we probably don't want to encounter again on their home territory yeah it'd be a bad thing though there seems like there's only three does it say there's three at some point it says there's only three right uh i don't know if there are only three i think that okay three were mentioned on the bus yeah i was just like uh three seems too few for you know all of hades so i'm assuming there's more uh i mean when i when i google it real quick there is some indication that it might just be three that they're listed as three sisters. Fascinating. But yeah, I don't know. Seems like they have a lot of ground to cover then. If they're if they're a security for all of Hades. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's schools too. Yeah. Naturally. Um, cool. Uh, 
Grover cracks a joke about learning that Percy's plans really suck, which they do. Uh, and we end the chapter with them hiding in a tree. Cool. Yep. Anything we missed? Uh, I think we're good. There were souls that were trying to get onto the elevator, and Karen was like, no. Yeah. I think that's really the only thing from all of it. I just want to get out of that waiting room. Yep. Now, if you were looking at this from a uh, from a Christian perspective, what would the waiting room be? Is that like purgatory, since people see what they want to see, or is it just a waiting room? I don't know. Got so many questions about how different uh, different cultures would perceive this afterlife and what all the different things would be like. What are the gates? What are the lines about? Like, yeah, how would people see these things? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, cool. All right. Um, so that's a chapter. So we move on to our next segment. Sure. Well, uh, where where you read your favorite sentence because I already uh, done spoiled mine. <laughs> All right, well, I'll go ahead and read my favorite sentence. This segment is all about you. Down here, only one God mattered, and he was the one I had come to confront. That's a good one. Yeah. Forgot about that one. Yeah, it was a good one. Solid. Want to go ahead and read yours again for the refresh? <laughs> sure, I have to open it. Let me reopen my book. I thought I was done with that for right now. All right, so here's mine again for uh, posterity. For thousands of years, you humans have been throwing in everything as you come across. Hopes, dreams, wishes that never came true. Hmm. So, there you go. There we are. Shall we move on to our next segment? Certainly. All right. What are we doing this one? Well, as Chris and I are reading through the chapter, um, we do our little bullet point summaries, we choose our favorite sentence, and then when we're done, we each rewrite the chapter from a different perspective. Yep. Who did you write yours from? Uh, who I introduced myself as. Just some soul. Cool. All right. I was hoping we didn't do the same perspective. Uh, what is it? Like three chapters in a row that we did that? <laughs> it was a couple. We were, we were two on the same page. Uh, I did mine from uh, the perspective of Cerberus. So yeah. we also got a little different. I thought about doing it from Karen's perspective, but I just I didn't really want to get into his head because he's all like greedy and, and grumpy, I guess. I don't know. You weren't feeling that negativity in your life today? Yeah, I just decided to be depressing and be like I, I'm some dead person. <laughs> decided to be dead. Uh, well, so would you like to do your depressing one first? Uh, is yours funny? Um, it's not depressing. Okay. Well, we'll do my <laughs> depressing one first then. Okay. So, I died. I don't have any questions about that. The guy I spoke to with the white suit said I couldn't get past him until I paid which was weird, but he said I could use my last cable bill, which made even less sense. Uh, and I said, okay. So I've got a green ticket and a spot on the elevator. Now I wait, I guess. Because that was weird, because when the elevator arrived, it had people on it. That's all. <clears throat> there are a lot of kids on this elevator, as Karen brings three more on with him. The littlest kid here seems lost, scared. I'm really curious about her cable bill situation. But as the elevator shifts direction, she grabs my hand. I'm scared too, so I hold on. And we don't let go. Out of the boat, into, the, into a line, past the dog, we walk into Hades together as strangers and friends. 
Woo. All right. I need a break after that one. Yeah. <sighs> that was pretty. Thank you. Golf clap. Um, now that I think about it, mine might be a little depressing. <laughs> but we'll end on not that uh, that dark of a note. Yeah. Um, so here's my rewrite from Cerberus. The living boy tries to distract me, as if thousands hadn't tried the same before. Tricks, bribes, pleads. There's nothing I've not seen countless times over the millennia. But it does get dull. I was a companion once, in the old days, before Hades, before death. When my days were full of leisure before service, when I ran and played with the children of Titans. And for a moment, she reminds me. Not that I'm fooled, I'm not simple and mindless, but I am nostalgic. And for brief minutes that I allow myself far too infrequently, I remember a life before this one. Thank you, small human, for an enormous kindness. I wish you were going somewhere better. Hmm. I like that. Yep. I feel like you should have thrown in a line about Houdini getting past him. <laughs> that one guy. Yeah, that one. He was the last one that I talked to. <laughs> he was the last one to make it through. Yeah. So I feel like in my head canon, Houdini was getting out of hell. Yeah. Like he wasn't trying to sneak in. He yes, escaped. Yes, but that getting out yeah. still involves going past Cerberus. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's only one door. Yeah. So that's a fire hazard. Definitely. <laughs> You know, in the place with a river of fire. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Um, cool. That's the podcast. That is. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed chapter 18 of The Lightning Thief. Join us next time as we discuss chapter 19, We Find Out the Truth, Sort of. <laughs> I mean, I'm intrigued. I don't know what sort of the truth is. What is it? <laughs> Until next time, you can interact with us on social media at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of Cerberus with a tiny little chew toy ball at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon if you feel like it at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast, where you get absolutely nothing in return except our delighted joy and possibly us being slightly more caffeinated. You know. It's an option. Until next time, don't rock the boat. You might fall into a polluted river of somebody else's hopes and dreams. And uh, if you do have to go into the underworld, don't forget your chew toys. Oh, yeah. Bring a chew toy for sure. (laughs) Cool. All right. Bye. Bye. that kind of thing before like when he was uh insolent impotent uh what was the insolent insolent maybe indignant yeah righteously indignant you can never remember we can never remember this word the word you keep keep coming back to it impertinent okay when he (laughs) when he when he was impertinent and
Until next time. Where are you going first on that one? (laughs) Until next time, don't rock the boat. Yeah, so we start out going to do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, sorry, I was reading it and trying to not pronounce it as a word, DOA, recording studios, I was trying not to say DOA, DOA, they go to DOA, DOA, recording studios, but he was uh, more like a purebred rock, purebred rock, he was a purebred Rottweiler, which is a really hard thing to say that five times fast. A purebred Rottweiler? A purebred Rottweiler? A purebred Rottweiler? A purebred Rottweiler? A purebred Rottweiler. That's impressive. Uh, <laughs> Irish wristwatch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, except, he, of course, he was twice the size of a woolly mammoth, mostly invisible, and had three heads. But other than that, yeah, spot exactly on Rottweiler. Exactly like a Rottweiler. Yeah. A purebred Rottweiler, even. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> You know, the people are demanding an episode, so. Even that bird is. Yep. <laughs> a little tweet tweet. A little, little tweet tweet. Is this, the, uh, is this that Twitter that I've heard so much about? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>